Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, guys, and welcome to today's episode. As you guys can see, we are going to be diving in to being in the way versus on the way. And what I mean by this, this is the overarching topic of today's episode with my awesome guest who I will introduce you guys to in a moment, but we're talking about obstacles. So reframing that view of obstacles, are they in the way or on the way to where we're trying to go? And in addition to this, my guest today also shares his story, which is very, very incredible, super inspiring story and about losses and overcoming struggles and dealing with shame, regret, all kinds of different emotions and feelings and overcoming overcoming a suicidal moment in his life that he shares with me on this episode and also dives into the work that he's doing now as a result of those experiences of the things that have happened to him and how he has reshaped the idea of failure and and shifting that away from personalizing failure and he gives very good examples about this amazing analogies that I won't I won't share here because I don't want to spoil the episode for you guys, but he's going to get into that. And we also talk about a mentality that he brings up called the when-then mentality. So when I have this, then I'll be happy. When I meet this goal, then I'll feel fulfilled. When I buy this thing, then I'll feel successful. So this idea of when the when something, then this will happen and that kind of mentality and what that really does to you as a person and how you think about things in general with all areas of life with having that mentality. So we, we dive into that topic and I just really was excited about this episode and recording this and putting this out there. And I really wanted to do this little intro for you guys just to share a little bit about what we're going to be getting into, which is some of those things that I mentioned before, but also talking about, I we're also going to be getting into identity versus roles and what the difference is between those, what they mean, what they mean to us and different people as well. We're going to be diving into that. Also, the differences between reacting 
or responding and fault versus responsibility. So there's a lot of things in this topic today, basically talking about the obstacles and he gives an amazing example. Um, I really want to, <laughs> I really want to tell you guys what it is because it makes, it just makes everything come full circle, but I will let him get, get into that example in the episode. But basically this, this episode is, was really fun to create and put together and have this conversation with my guest, chat with him, hear more about his story, you know, more about the insight and lessons that he has learned from the incredible amounts of loss and struggle and overcoming certain things in his life to get to the point of where he is now and, and completely teaching these lessons to other people to help them become unstuck and feel like more capable and more excited about life and just living and just being here in general. So this is a very awesome, awesome episode. And I can't wait for you guys to check it out and let me know your thoughts on this one. Feel free to go ahead. And if you want to share your thoughts with me, you, you always know where you guys can reach me. I am on Instagram at crooked illness. You can go ahead and slide in my DMS, leave me a message on what you think of this episode and your thoughts and reactions from our conversation. I always love, love to hear from you guys. I love to see what you say. I love to see what you think. I just, it, I, I love nothing more than that. So go ahead and share that with me if you guys would like to. And I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Hello guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. Today is going to be an exciting and informative conversation on our struggles being in the way or on the way to where we want to be. Joining me to chat about this is my awesome guest, Dean Fox. Dean is a leading mindset coach, trainer, consultant, entrepreneur, and speaker based in the Northeast of England. Dean has trained and coached thousands of entrepreneurs across the country with his powerful message. I'm excited to have he, him here today to talk about this, hear more about his story, and take away so much value from this talk. So without further ado, welcome Dean to the podcast. Thank you very much, Paris. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, pleasure to have you on and get to chat with you today. So I'm so excited to hear from you before we dive right into this. Let's just kick it off here with a little background about you. Tell me who you are and a nice overview of your story. Okay, sure. So um, my background's in engineering and then in sales and business development within the corporate world. And um, you know, I had a fairly good corporate career. So I, I rose the ranks fairly quickly. I was always kind of pushing myself to be the best that I possibly could. And by kind of late 90s, early 2000, um, I was, you know, sales manager for a blue chip company in the UK. I ran a sales team across the country, you know, expense account, company car, you know, nice house. Everything looked like it was kind of going in the right direction, but I didn't really feel fulfilled, if I'm being honest. I kept feeling like there was something missing. Yeah, And so I, I decided that the way to fulfill that, to way, the way to make me feel good enough was to set up my own business. And then I thought, you know, when that was, when I was successful in my own business, then that's when I'd feel good enough and, and everything would be okay. I'd be happy. And wow. so I jumped in that in the early 2000s. Um, my wife and I set up a, a property development investment business, um, real estate, as you guys would know in the U.S., and um, 
you know, that went really well. Uh, by kind of 2007, we had a, a multi-six-figure business. Um, life was good. Things, things were working out really well. And then we had a period from 2000 and end of 2007, beginning of 2008, till about 2000, end of 2010, where things didn't really go so well. Um, mm. 2008, we had the financial crisis that affected lots of people around the world. Um, the difficulty over that period of time between 08 and um, early 09, you know, we ended up losing that business uh, along with lots of other things. Um, we had some other investments and, and, you know, we lost those as well during that period. And it put a lot of financial pressure on us. And I made a decision that um, one of the things that I would be able to do to kind of stay, steady the ship, if you like, would be to go back into the corporate world, go back and get a job and um, do, you know, what I was good at effectively in sales. Um, and that's what I tried to do. But early 2010, while I was on that kind of road looking for a, another opportunity my wife and i had a really bad car accident along with my youngest son and we were out of the game for about 12 months um recovering and that put paid to me being able to um go back and get a job uh, in the in the corporate world and and that led to a number of things increased financial pressure and um you know i really struggled from a from a personal point of view you know my own mental health and and the way I saw the world, I really, I found it really difficult over that period of time. And I suppose, you know, by the end of that year, um, as well as losing the businesses and some investments, by that time I was bankrupt personally. Um, you know, we'd lost a, a few of the other properties that we had. And I'd, I'd come to a decision by then that I didn't feel like I could go on. I didn't really feel like I had anywhere to turn. And um, I thought that the world and my family at the time would be better off without me. And um, I, I made a decision late 2010, I'd gone out for a, for a morning walk. I told my wife I needed some fresh air, uh, some space to think. Um, but you know, I tell the story often, I had no intention of coming home that day. Um, I, I went to some woodland near where I lived with the express intention of, of taking my own life. And something happened that day when I made the actual decision, when I, when I got there, you know, I, was, I was angry with everybody, with the world, with myself. I was frustrated. I was emotional. But when I actually made the decision, when I was standing there and I'd said, right, this is it. I'm definitely not going back. The world would be better off without me. Having made that decision, it was almost like, and I don't know how long this lasted. It could have been just a few seconds. But it was almost like the world stood still. Everything went really slow and... and it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt really calm, really kind of peaceful. And I saw for the first time enough breathing space and enough clarity to ask myself some questions about, you know, why was I there then? Why, why should I take my life when I, I didn't die in a car accident that I should have probably died in 10 months earlier? And all those questions started to, to resonate. And I made a, another decision in that kind of moment, which, which was maybe now is not the right time. Maybe there is a reason that I'm here. Maybe there's a reason why I'm going through all the things I'm going through. And I'm not sure what that is, but maybe I'm supposed to find out. And those questions were enough to kind of bring me back, if you like. Um, and I returned home and that started me on a journey of personal development, as most people would call it. Um, not what I called it there and then, but that's what most people would call it now. And during that journey over the last 10 years, I've met 
you know, some amazing people, but it's led me to, to finding or led me, led my purpose to find me almost. Um, and now I get to share some of my story and help some people with the way, um, some of the things that I've learned along my journey and, and, and can pass on to them. Yeah. Cause I remember you telling me this story and I remember specifically when we were talking last time, you, you talked about the car accident and the car accident and how bad it was and how the people who were there helping you guys, first responders were saying that you shouldn't have survived this accident. And when you bring up that point of, you know, you were going out and you said goodbye to your wife and you had no intention of coming back. You were like, this is it, I'm done. And then you were walking out into the woods and you started questioning yourself and asking yourself, you know, why didn't, why didn't I die in that accident? You know, there must be some reason or something for me to still be be here right now. And thinking and, you know, trying to move forward. And I think that's so, you know, huge, especially that you bring up, you know, the fact that that's how your purpose found you instead of, instead of what what a lot of people do is trying to find their purpose. You know, what am I here for? Why am I here trying out different things and doing that? But you really had that come to you and, and you talk about that journey of personal development and growing yourself and taking that journey and seeing these changes in yourself and being able to really teach that to other people and give hope to other people in that way. Cause I think that is, you know, basically the, the entire message that I really love to focus on in all these episodes is, you know, giving hope from situations that were so ugly and so bad. And, you know, when you bring up the bankruptcy and and losing that business that you built with your wife and doing that together and then having 2008 come and just crash and the financial crisis and losing this bankruptcy and struggling with, you know, what you're doing in your life and where you are, but really being able to come out of that the, the way that you did and to, you know, help people in that way, I think is amazing and so, so important. Um, and I know that last time you, you also shared with me that you spent most of your career chasing the next best thing to be happy and you were doing this all the time. So how, how did this make you feel and how did you move past that? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it is something I talk a lot about this idea that we, we, I developed what I call this when then mentality. So when I've got this, then I'll be happy. When I'm a sales manager, then I'll be happy. When I drive this car, when I earn this amount of money, when we live in this house. And what I realized throughout that career, I, I, I didn't, it didn't just stop after I started my personal development journey. What I also learned was in the first few years of my personal development journey, I just shifted my when then mentality into the personal development world. I was like, when I've been to this event, when I've learned this, when I understand this, when I've seen this person speak, when I've met this person, all of those things, we get on this kind of hamster wheel of, you know, as soon as I achieve something, it's like, okay, what's next? I need to go somewhere else. And and I realized that every time I got to some level, I, I felt unfulfilled. I was becoming frustrated with the idea that, but I thought I would, this would be everything. I thought I would feel happy now. I thought, you know, this would be it. And it wasn't there. I was just driven to do something else. And it wasn't until later on, you know, maybe over the last three or four years where I really started to understand that happiness is not something we get. Mm-hmm. It's something we are. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we, when we really understand that actually, you know, that I can be happy without any of those things. 
you know, I've been blessed over my life to be able to travel to some amazing places. And one of the things that always struck me was I could visit places, you know, I've, I've been in India and various other places and I've seen people with, you know, what we would class as, you know, utter poverty and yet they're happy. And it always struck me as well. How is that possible? How, how are they happy with, you know, far less than any of us would ever imagine was, would make you happy. And, and so that was a question that I kept thinking about. And, and, you know, I realized it during my journey that happiness is not things that we get. It's not what we get from things external to us. You know, we can be happy. And usually when we're happy, you know, things happen for us. So the happiness is there first, actually. It's not something we get when we achieve something. Yes. I love how you talk about that shift, you know, because it's so common to think of that when then mentality that like you're talking about, you know, when I do this, then this will happen. Or when I get here, I'll be good. I'll be successful. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be the best version of myself. And I feel like, you know, it's so common to tie that tie happiness to something. It always has to go with something, you know, happiness goes with that or with this, but it can never just be on its own. And I love how you flip that into saying, you know, you're able to experience that regardless of these different things. And, you know, like you said, you know, you, you live that and you experience that of, you know, doing different things and, you know, setting different goals, accomplishing those goals and accomplishing those goals and still not feeling happy and then thinking, okay, maybe if I do this, then I'll get there. But I think it's so important, especially, you know, bringing up that point of this when, when then mentality and how that's tied to our idea of happiness and if we'll ever get, get to that place. So what is that? Cause I know you were, you were bringing up, bringing up that point, which is amazing with what happiness means to you. So what, what does it mean to you? Well, I think that the, the key for me is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy when I'm, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and that doesn't, I don't necessarily have to be, I don't have to have anything to, to do that. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, when people think about, you know, I've had this conversation before when people say, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy when I'm doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm happy when, I, when I'm visiting my family or I'm happy when I'm doing this. And I always say, okay, so have you ever been happy when you weren't doing that though? Have you ever been happy just not doing anything, just kind of sitting or, and people will say, well, yeah. Okay, so happiness is not tied to those things then. It, it just is something that we, we inherently have. It's just, we need to understand that as opposed to thinking that it becomes attached to something external. You know, if we externalize problems, um, then we externalize solutions. If the problem is out there, then we assume that the solution is out there. When we actually take the problem inside, when we say, okay, it's to do with something that's within, then we have all the tools we ever need to solve those problems. All the solutions are in there as well. Yeah, and I think one of the the other things that you talked to me talked about last time that I thought was really amazing and interesting was the concept of being in the way or on the way you brought up this really great comparison. So you were talking to me about Olympic hurdlers and how before the race hurdles is all they see in front of them. That's all they see. And you said, are those hurdles in the way or are they on the way to where they need to be? And I thought that was so interesting the way that you brought that up in that comparison. So what do you think the main difference is between in the way versus on, on the way? 
Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I use the analogy a lot because it's, it's good visual. People can see what, what, what we mean when we say, you know, are they in the way or on the way? But when they're in the way, the problem is that that's all you see. You know, so more of those hurdles show up because that's all, that's all of our field of vision looks at. We, we just see them as being problems. And I, you know, I, I use my own experience of this. So in 2008, in the fi- middle of the financial crisis, when I was losing a business and everything was collapsing around me, all I saw were hurdles. I could only see problems. And everywhere I looked, something else was going wrong. Yet in the same period, there were people who launched businesses that are now billion-dollar brands. And, and they didn't see those times, those hurdles as being in their way. They just saw them as on the way to where they wanted to be, just exactly the same as the Olympic hurdler does. They're not in his way. They're just on the way to where he needs to be. And, and having that mindset shift, and I didn't have that in 2010, all I saw were hurdles. And that, that makes for a really difficult period of time. And, and I use that now, you know, when I'm, when I'm coaching people, I talk a lot about this idea that when you're in the picture, it's really difficult to see the frame. You know, we just see all of the problems that we have. And sometimes just by taking a step back, just having that, that field of vision that says, actually, these are not just in my way. They're on the way to where I need to be. There has to be a solution to this. And then, you, you know, you take a bigger viewpoint of what's happening. Um, that allows you then to, to look at it from a different perspective. You know, one shift in perspective gives you a whole different meaning to what you're looking at. Um, you know, there's a saying that says that when we change the way we look at things, what we look at changes. Yes. I think I love that saying. And I think, I think that's so important how you talk about that shift in perspective and you bring up the, you know, another great comparison with the picture examples. You talk about, you know, when you're in, in the picture, it's hard to see the frame because you're in that and all you see is the problems, like you said. So, you know, you could either look at those hurdles as, things that are preventing you from moving forward they're, they're, And then when you see, when you look at it that way, it's a lot easier to see more problems because all you see, you know, in the first place are problems. So more start to come out and you start to see more coming and more coming. And it becomes very challenging. Like you said, to see those things as being on the way to where you're going. So I love that. I think it's a great example because, you know, I always love analogies and comparisons that you can actually visually see in your head and think and use that and compare that to your life and say, wow, you know, you know, what kind of things are, have I had in my life that I, that I think are holding me back or, or keeping me from doing this or trying that or what, what is it? And it really makes you have a different awareness of that instead of, you know, just jumping to this is what it is and having that mentality. And, you know, I, I would love to hear, you know, you know, for you, like, what was that work like when you, you started getting into personal development and shifting your mindset? What, what was that like to go from the place that you were once in, into the way that you are now? Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to say it happened overnight and everything was, was cool and easy, but um, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. Um, you know, I spent a long time um, you know, doing my own research, um, learning from some of the greatest people I could, I could find, um, you know, both um, from, you know, those who still passed, so reading books from, from other people, um, but also the people who are around now, you know, attending events, um, listening to people like Tony Robbins and Les Brown and Bob Proctor and, you know, Brendan Bouchard, all the great people that are out there and just taking the bits that, 
that really resonated with me, the bits that I, you know, could question and, and, and understand. And I just tried to, um, to look at everything with this, this kind of, like I say, this different perspective all the time in terms of, okay, so what does that really mean? And it's a question that has become kind of a mantra for me is that every time I come across something um, that I feel is either a block or a, a, an obstacle, my question is always, what does that really mean? Particularly when we personalize things, because often, you know, something happens, you know, it can be small or it can be, it can be quite uh, major. If we took, you know, the business, when, I, when my business failed, we can look at that and say, you know, what are all the, the reasons that that happened? Why did that happen? How did that end up? For most people, including myself at the time, we personalize that. What we do is we say, well, what that means is that I'm a failure. You know, not that the business failed, but I'm a failure. When we do that, we take on that, that identity. We hold that. And that stops us doing things in the future. When we start to understand that that's the way things work and that actually the event itself doesn't have any inherent meaning until we interpret it a certain way, when we understand that, and it's a very simple statement, you know, that events have no inherent meaning, but when you truly understand it, it it's life-changing. This idea that, you know, there isn't anything out there that can, uh, or anybody or any situation or, or anything that can make me feel a certain way. Only the way I interpret those things can make me feel that way. Wow. And that's, you know, that's, that's so powerful, just the way that you say that. Cause I feel like when you break that down, like taking that and personalizing that failure and seeing that as a re representation of you are the failure instead of, you know, the business failed or, you know, you got to, when you get a bad grade, you're like, okay, I'm a failure because I failed this class or this course, or you didn't pass or you, you know, cause I can even think back to, you know, and everyone can do this, you know, everyone can do this with their life. You know, think of a time when, you know, you, you think you didn't do good at something and did you, did you take that personally or how did you handle that? You know, like how, what was that process like? And I think it's so important to, you know, what you said is to not, is to see what that taught you and to see how you can move forward from that experience rather than um, taking it so personal. Cause you know, like you told me before, when you do that, it makes it very hard and almost impossible to do anything else because you see yourself as a failure and you basically don't see yourself as capable of doing something else because all you can focus on is, well, this business failed and I'm a failure. And, and this, then it starts to become, you know, like you said, a hamster wheel of this happened, this is going to happen. And all these fears start to come up. But I think that's really a huge thing that you bring up of, of not personalizing failure and looking at that a different way. And like you said, you know, when, when you look at things a different way and are able to shift that thought that was holding you back or was keeping you feeling stuck or feeling in this place of, I can't do this. I, I won't be able to, but you start to question and say, what does this mean? And I think that's so, you know, it's so simple, but it's also so powerful because it lets you internally change the way you speak to yourself. And like yeah. you said, when you change that and can change that, you know, inner dialogue you have with yourself, then things start to change because you're not, you're not taking that so hard and like it's so impossible to move forward which i think is you know super important to bring up and i think that's a really a really good example that you just gave you know with your business and you know bringing up the business and how the business failed 
and how at that time in 2010, you weren't able to see it differently. You took that personally. And, you know, what, what is that like now looking back at that and remembering that time and remembering how you took that? What, what kind of thoughts do you have about that? Yeah. So, uh, um, when I look back now, uh, I look at it differently on the basis that, you know, it, it no longer, it, it does, I don't identify with it. So, you know, people say, oh, so have you just blocked that out? No, because there was lessons I could learn from that. So there was, there was, there was things that I could take from it to say, well, okay, you know, I, I'm not going to make that mistake again, or I'm not going to do that again, but that doesn't mean anything about me. It didn't mean I'm personally a failure, which means I didn't have, I might not have had the awareness or I might not have had the knowledge um, or the skills at any given time to be able to do something. But I talk a lot about the difference between identity and roles. And when we play a role in a particular, you know, whether it's the role of um, a business owner or the role of a father or, you know, we have skills. And if you, if you, I did this with somebody the other day, a client of mine recently, if you took a, a scale of one to 10 in the role and said, you know, from one being the worst version of that role, the worst set of skills and 10 being the best, where would you put yourself? And most people will say probably six or seven or, or eight. You know, if you think you're really good at it, maybe nine, very few people will say there are 10. We've all got something to learn. The issue comes with, if you did an identity test and you said with one being the worst version of you possible and 10 being the very best version of you, where do you put yourself? Most people don't get above about a four or a five. And then you end up with this mismatch so you've got kind of, even if you've got good at what you do. So if someone had said to me when I was in the corporate world in sales, you know, on a skills basis in your role, where do you see yourself between one and 10? I'd have said a nine. But if someone had really took the time to say to me from an identity level, where do you see yourself as a person? I'd have probably said a four or a five. And then we've got this mismatch. Wow. That's yeah. The, that is so interesting that you bring that up. You know, the, the, how mismatch that is, you know, when you talk about you, you rating yourself based on a role or a statement like that. And then when it comes back to identity, is that because, do you think that's because identity seems so much more personal to you? And like, when you bring up that point of, you know, the business failing, I'm a failure rather than the business failing. And when you talk about identity, that's, that's I, I am a success. I am a failure. And people are like, why do you think that there's such a difference between those two? And so what happens is that that's where, you know, people talk a lot about things like imposter syndrome and this feeling of not, not feeling good. And that's where it comes from is that our identity level is down here, but our, our skills in any particular job could be up here, our role. So we might be a really good father or a really good mother or, you know, really good at sport or, and we pitch our skills up there. But when it comes down to us as an individual, our self-worth, our, our own value on ourselves can be really low. And that, that causes us problems. It puts us under pressure. So the number of times I work with business owners or senior people who have got their skills at, you know, an eight or a nine, but are now struggling personally at a three or a four because they've taken everything personal, their identities being crushed. And then they have to wear this game face for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day uh, of someone who's at, up here in terms of skills. They're trying to get their identity up there. It's, it's, you know, it's hard work. It wears people out. That's how come they end up with you know, stress and, and, and all of the anxiety that goes with it because they're putting themselves in that position of being stressed on a daily basis. Wow. And I, I love how you talk about that difference and, you know, how, how you have somebody who, you know, could be, you know, very high, high level in a corporate position and their skills are like nine, 10, but then they say, 
you know, I would, you know, I feel like my identity is much lower and talking about those issues and relating it back to personalizing things. Right. So maybe, you know, whatever it was, whatever situation, taking that so personal and seeing that as a bad thing, a failure, something to, something to carry shame about or have guilt or be embarrassed and carry these feelings, but then also not being able to express those and having to have this face of, you know, confidence and, you know, no, no vulnerability, not showing any weakness, but then inside having those experiences, but then they're not going anywhere. They're still there and they're still inside that person. And, you know, really kind of tying that back to happiness and, you know, how people can, can take it to the level of, I have, if I do this, then I'll be happy, but not being happy on on our own. Like you said, you know, just sitting there as a person breathing, just being alive. (laughs) Um, Because I think that's so, that's so interesting too, to even hear about, hear about that from, you know, the comparing identity, comparing roles. And I think that's, you know, another huge thing that could even be another, (laughs) turn into another episode, another conversation (laughs) with you. But I think that's, that's so true. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we're, we're never done learning or growing or working on so many areas of our lives and just trying to be better, trying to improve, trying to learn more. And, you know, I wanted to ask you something. Um, so what, what do you think the primary difference is between reacting and responding and how does this difference impact us? Okay, so I, I, I use it when I talk about um, uh, an explanation around this idea that events have no meaning. Um, and what usually happens is when something happens, an event of some type, um, we, we react. The normal, the normal um, day-to-day experience is, is of reaction, which means that there's no considered um, space or thought. There's no awareness. It becomes a subconscious automatic um, reaction to something. And... Um, for me, a response, the difference between react and respond is that a response is, is when you consider that. You take some time, if you like, a space. Um, I, I use an analogy sometimes where I say it's like stepping into the back seat of the, of the car and giving yourself a bit of breathing space so you can see what's happening, but you're not actually driving. Um, and you, you give it a bit of time and a bit of breathing space to consider actually what, what's the best way to respond to this. Um, and then taking the, the appropriate action. So that, that gap, if you like, that space, for me, is the difference between reacting and responding. You know, 99 times out of 100, we will, most people react. And, and 99 times out of 100, a reaction um, usually leads to us ending up apologizing for something later on. Because we say, we say something before we've had a chance to think about it, or we react in the situation. Um, whereas the ability to be able to respond gives you that time to take a a breathing space it does two things for me one is it gives you that breathing space to decide how you should react or respond to you know to consider the outcomes but more importantly it also gives you that breathing space for me personally over the years it's giving me that breathing space to ask that question and say but what does that really mean what do i know about this event this situation and, and why should it make me feel any particular way about it why is it causing me to to feel this way um, and that, that gives you again, that shift to be able to change how you respond to it. Yeah. And I love how, you know, when we were talking, you bring up 
the difference between that and how, how that can impact you. But I, I would like to know, you know, from you, what do you, what do you think would make it more possible for people to be able to switch over from reacting most of the time? Like you said, 99% of the time we have a reaction to something to being able to respond more. And I, I think there's two things. The first thing is um, gaining an awareness that events have no meaning. So when we, when we understand that actually it's not the event that's causing me to feel this way, it's not what that person said, it's not you know, the car that cut me up, it's, it's not somebody's actions or an event that's happened that makes me feel this way. It's the way that I think about those events, the way that I um, uh, interpret those events that causes me to feel this way. And that, it's those feelings that are leading me to, to react, to behave in a particular way. And, and so asking that question, Understanding that events have no meaning and then asking the question about what do I actually know? What does this mean? Gives you time to reflect on that before you, you, you do something and react instantly. So you can become consciously aware of it. And then you can take the time to consider, okay, what's the appropriate way I should, I should respond. And therefore my behaviors will, will be according to that. Yeah. Cause I think that's so important to really understand that, especially when you talk about awareness right? Awareness is huge because I know sometimes even, you know, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, I, I can catch myself reacting to things or, or something happens and then I do something and then I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> or like, why did I say that? Or like, you know, and then like you said, you know, it brings up you, you know, apologizing or something else or, or you spending so much time thinking about the situation or playing it over in your head and just really letting it ruin your day and drag you down. And like you said, you know, it's not the event that is causing the, or whatever happened to the event causing that it's, you know, your reaction to that and your perception of that and really being able to learn that. Cause I feel like that's such a really good skill to be able, I mean, if you can master that, I think that's amazing and incredible to be able to respond to, to things way more than reacting, because I feel like that would benefit you just in so many different, different ways, mentally, just happiness and, you know, having, just having a good time in your life instead of, you know, allowing, you know, so much of our time to be taken up by thinking about these things that happen and how we reacted and how, you know, and then it just starts to snowball into all these other things. But if you can do that, then, you know, you really are almost invincible, like you said, because you control you know, your perception of things. And especially when you bring up, I mean, you brought up a lot of good points. We talked about, you know, failure and, you know, the perception of failure and not personalizing that. And, you know, if you can do that with the, anything in your life, you know, you know, a business that failed or relationships or different things that you're dealing with, but then being able to move forward from that and not take that as I am this or an I and internalizing that and letting that really, completely eat away at you and prevent you from doing anything like that again is yeah. huge. Well, I think, you know, we've mentioned this before, but I think that the other thing is that what we tend to do as well, when something happens is um, we, we start to look for things to blame. So, so we, we, we lay fault with something. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in there's a, there's a difference for me between fault and responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the car accident, as an example, was not my fault but I can take absolute responsibility for everything that happened around that event and after that event. 
And so, you know, when things happen to us, it may not be our fault that that, that, that event actually happened, but we can take responsibility for how we respond to what happened. And that for me is a, you know, it, that's a key difference. If we, if we stop personalizing things um, in terms of the I am, but we also stop blaming ourselves, you know, we, we start, we, we, we don't want like to say it was my fault and, and we don't have to do that, but we can say I'm responsible for everything that happens from here on in. I love that. I love that really being able to shift that instead of saying, you know, this was my fault or this was this person's fault or this was because, and instead of looking at it like that and saying, what can you do to move, move forward? And focusing on that. And I think, you know, all the things you brought up were really great. You know, the, all these examples and analogies and comparisons of how to move from this place to a better place and how you really did that yourself in your own life, you know, based on the things that happened to you and the situations that you were in and, you know, really being able to turn that around. So I think, you know, I just want to say thank you to you, Dean, for being able to come on and just, you know, chat with me, share more about your story, your experiences, and just the awesome insight that you have from the experiences that you gained and really lived through. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's been a real pleasure. And, um, you know, I, I always say that I talked earlier on the fact that, you know, I think our purpose finds us and, and I'm, I'm eternally blessed and grateful that every time I get an opportunity to, to share some of that, um, that, you know, I, I, I'm fulfilling the purpose that I, that I had was to share this information with as many people as I can in order that, you know, we touch somebody else's life who may need it at the time um, that they hear this. Yes, you are a hundred percent right. And I think that is so true that, you know, your purpose really found you and you are completely living it. And I'm happy that you were able to come in, come on and, you know, share that and dive deeper into these topics. And, you know, whoever is listening can take away something from what we talked about, what we said, and really be able to apply that to their life or, you know, hand this message over to someone else they, they know who could benefit from it. So, you know, it was a great conversation. Great talking with you. I loved, I love chatting with you like the, the two times that we got to talk and I'm excited to put this episode out there into the world and everybody listening. I hope that you guys have a good rest of your day. Good rest of your night and Bye, guys, and bye, Dean. Bye, Paris. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.